Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and we are continuing in our study in Revelation here on the Questions About Heaven podcast. So as we're talking about the end times, we're talking about heaven, it does us well to be able to take a look at the book of Revelation, go verse by verse. And I thank you for being patient. It's been a while since I've been able to do another broadcast and some dear friends had said, hey, listen, are you going to get back onto that? Because we're following this, we want to know more. So I apologize for the delay. A number of things in our ministry have been coming up and they have taken my time. But I'm back here and making an effort to get us into our walk right again through the book of Revelation. So when we look at Revelation, we're looking at this, uh, and this is not inconsistent with our whole podcast about questions about heaven, because when we talk about heaven, Revelation will come up so many times. We look at the reward-giving God in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Uh, We talk about walking into heaven in Revelation chapter 4. We talk about angels, for example, in Revelation chapter 20. We talk about demons, Revelation chapter 19, and battles in Revelation chapter 19. Uh, the destruction of man's best efforts in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, and that includes a man-made church. You're seeing all these things happening, and we'll walk toward them. Now, in Revelation chapter 1, we see, what's this all about? You know, why are we talking about this? Uh, Well, it's not so much what it's about, it's who it's about. This is the revealing, Revelation revealing, of who Jesus Christ really is. You see, the Greek word for revelation is apocalypsis, and that simply means the unveiling. So if the curtain is opening on the act, we're going to see, the curtain has to open, we'll see what the play is. If the opening of the oven door reveals the meal inside, the turkey for Thanksgiving, we're going to see that by the opening. If we open up the treasure chest, we see what the treasure is inside. That is apocalypsis in all those terms if you follow the Greek uh, use of that. And in here, if we open up the book of Revelation, what is revealed? What is the apocalypse as well? It's Jesus Christ. Okay, he, we know this. He is a shepherd, but he's more than that here. He is a miracle worker. He's more than that here. He is our Savior, and he's more than that here. We see so much more here. We see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are in chapter 2 right now. Chapter 1 was really telling us, in recognition of who this Jesus is, are you ready? Chapter 1, verses 1 and 3, both tell us, the time will be sudden when he comes. The time will be sudden. As Jesus talks to the disciples about the end times in Matthew 24 and 25, he reminds them that no one knows when this will all take place. But Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 3 tell us, The time will be sudden, very sudden. Now, there's something that's going to apply to our talk about Thyatira today. Some people will pronounce it Thyatira, either way. And when we look at this, I want to give a comparison to what we see in Revelation chapter 1. And as we're looking at the description of this one, John has known Jesus in the Gospels, the biography of Jesus. John was there. John was at the cross watching Jesus die in the crucifixion. John was there at the Last Supper. John was with Jesus, and this is not the Jesus he remembers. 
This is so much more. Oh, he recognizes Jesus, but so much more. And he turns and he sees the one. And it says this. Now, remember this later on in verse 13. I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet. It describes the the robe that would be used both by a priest and a judge. And then his hair and his head were white like white wool, like snow, which signifies not only purity, but wisdom with age. We continue on in uh, verse 14. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And anytime we see fire in the Bible, anywhere in the Bible, it means holy judgment. That's the symbolism of, of it. And then verse 15 says that Jesus' feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace. And that shows us here, there, there is something here that I want you to remember. Remember the feet. Now here is the Son of Man. He identifies with mankind. And we see him as being the pure one. The one we can understand that we're to be holy because he's holy, the hair white like wool. Well, you know, you know, we can imitate that and we can be that way. And then I see the eyes of flame of fire. We can be honest and he honestly knows we have come to him. The feet like burnished bronze lets me know. It, it, it's talking about testing. When the bronze process is made, they will continually run the bronze through a, a, a sort of a mini waterfall dropping so the molten uh, metal will have the slag come to the top, which is skimmed off. And that's a testing time. And this gives us an idea. As the son of man, he's been through testings. He will understand our trials. I mean, think about it. John is in a trial. He's on Patmos right now, incarcerated. Uh, this elderly man is being held there for simply preaching the gospel. We read about that in chapter 1. And it's almost like Jesus says, as the Son of Man, I identify with mankind and I have suffered as well. And we can take heart in that the steps that he had on earth here were those of suffering. Now we're going to now remember that because we're going to see this a little bit later on in midst of Thyatira. In this, let's go ahead and read this passage here as it tells us, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire. Well, now wait a minute. Didn't we just see that? Eyes of flame of fire. Yes, because God is looking, Jesus is looking at this church in a holy look with no type of pretense that can be uh, totally uh, faking out the Lord, fooling the Lord. He sees through this, okay? That's important. But then it says this, his feet are like the burnished bronze. Now we said, well, the the feet that were there of burnished bronze would let him let us know that he has also been trials as we go through trials for us, and it's an intimate uh, display. But here, it says the feet of burnished bronze are on the Son of God. Did you notice that? In chapter 1, it says the Son of Man, identifying Jesus with humanity. Son of God here with Thyatira, letting us know this is the judge. This is deity. This is divinity here. And these feet here are going to be giving testing, not just showing that they have been through testing. The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire is looking in judgment. Feet are like burnished bronze. So let me go ahead and read through the passage, and let's walk through it verse by verse in the time that we have here. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this to Thyatira, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the 
woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I give her time to repent, and she does not want to repent over immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with pestilence, and all of the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast till I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, this is curious. This is, of all these seven churches that have been addressed, the cities representing these churches, Thyatira is the smallest, but this is the longest part of this letter. There's the more, more detail to Thyatira than there is. So let's take a look at this, and what are we talking about here? When we look at this, we found out that Thyatira here, you look and you're wondering, do they have any kind of a persecution, any kind of a stress, any kind of a challenge to their faith? And uh, no, no, we don't see this at all. I'll remind you, as I've told you in our online studies, in our, our live video studies, that uh, faith is to be tested. You know, when you have your faith and you find it strengthened through testing, when you lean upon the Lord and you see him come through and you are emboldened by that, and as one Bible scholar said, a faith that is not tested is not a faith. And I thought about that one time, and I didn't want that to pass me, and I thought, well, that's very, very true. I have been called to fly down to Pensacola to meet with Christian leaders and on more than one occasion, and I flew down there. Now, I can talk all I want about getting on that Delta jet or that American Airlines uh, plane, and I can discuss with you and everything, and then you say, well, your ticket's in your hand. You need to go. Well, I don't want to go. I have total faith it's going to take me down there. We're going to land at the Pensacola airport. We're going to do many things. Well, Brad, you need to exercise that faith in that plane. I don't want to. Well, you don't have a faith. You're not testing your faith. And that's in, in, a, in a very lighthearted way, letting you know. You can talk all you want about faith, but the real challenge and the real proof to people is when it happens. And so there was real no challenge here to Thyatira. And that uh, may be brought on this slovenliness. Not only were they seeing sin in their church, it was embedded. It was taking root. Uh, and this is something where you see they're in activity, but that's not accomplishment with the Lord. They are busy, but they're not in, uh, in love with the Lord. There's not a relationship there, too. And now, so when we start looking at this, let's look a little bit about this. This Thyatira was a very busy city. They were involved in trade. They had especially a number of trade guilds, which would be, think about it, like unions. They, had, they were very well known for that. And the funny thing is, we don't think about this, if you had a union here, like I think UPS, for example, has a union. Well, nobody says there's a patron god of UPS. There's no symbolic worship by all of the employees of UPS or the postal union or anything along that line or auto workers. They don't have 
a, a, a regular time of worship. They did in Thyatira. They each had what you would call a patron deity, and they would have that worship. And really, in that worship, if you were willing to show your loyalty to that deity, then people made it business-wise very attractive for you. And that's kind of the, the cycle that was going on there. And if you were a regular member, then you were active in their worship as well. Now, when we see this, one of the most famous things in Thyatira was the selling of purple. They had a particular small little creature, which was crushed and made into this purple dye. It took, I don't know, what a massive amount of these little shells of this creature to uh, make this dye. So it's very, very expensive. If you remember, remember Lydia? Lydia in Acts chapter 16 was a seller of purple. As a matter of fact, in there, we find out that this Lydia who had come to salvation there was from Thyatira on there. And that was what they were famous for too. So what does the Lord say as he's talking to this small but industrious city who really relied upon these diligent workers who mixed their faith with their business? Now, there's nothing wrong with that. In other words, Christians would show their Christian walk in their faith, but these ones were taking it to the point of making it a political maneuver of using this. And Jesus says this. The first thing he says is he is not the son of man, as we saw in chapter one. He's the son of God. Now, in there, what you're saying here is when he is saying the son of God, he's saying, I'm looking at you in there. You can't hide from me. Hence, we see the flame of fire. Remember, every time we see fire in the Bible, it denotes holy judgment, uh, fire. Uh, fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, that is judgment upon the sin of that city. The burning bush, that was judgment upon uh, Egypt. We see it again and again and again uh, on there. So he's looking with this judgment that just pierces and says to the church, I see what you're doing on the outside. I see what your heart is on the inside, and I don't like it. Feet like fine brass in here. When we look here, it's the strongest metal of the world uh, uh, in that world at that time as well. And what he's saying is in here, this would remind us that the feet that move will leave an imprint of judgment upon those that will go and even crush those that decide that they want to go their own way. And think the most ornate secular uh, activity of the church. I just want to do this, look at how good I am, can be crushed easily in, in uh, the, the judgment of the Lord as well. So he says this, in observing you, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. Hey, those are good words. Those are good words for a church. Don't you want to be known as a church of love, a church that serves, a church of faith and patience? As a matter of fact, in my live uh, classes, uh, when I'm on uh, TikTok, I had a skeptic come on and said, well, you tell me what you're doing. You, you go on here and, you know, very, very sarcastic and very uh, harsh and said, show me there, you know, you're teaching and you're not doing a thing for the Lord. And I said, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been doing. As a matter of fact, and you're talking about, he said, show me your love for your neighbor. And I said, it's so, it's, it's so interesting you'd bring that up because my literal neighbor, Sam, next door, is uh, struggling with his life with diabetes. 
And I've been going over and being with him and working with him and his wife and helping out our household is helping them as we can. I have had a chance to witness to him and I thank the Lord that I am seeing progress and his tenderness toward the Lord after a very harsh life and such. And so the person then was stopped in saying this. I hope you don't think that this is self uh, uh, in promotion here. I, I, I'm uncomfortable saying this. But I do know the first thing that many skeptics would say was prove your faith. All right. And that's what James, that's a whole book of James is about proving your faith. Well, the church here was. Okay. They, they have service. And that would also show their faith, which is the next thing. And your patience. You are a very tolerant church in the face of what's going on. But now that can be hard. We'll take a look at that a little bit later on. And it says this, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Well, that's powerful. You're doing better. You're, you're advancing. You're maturing in that even more than you were. That's a powerful thing here, okay? You look at this on the outside, this looks like the great church. This is a template for a church at first, at first, okay? When they had this, this was actually brought up by the Lord. I do see this, and it looks like you're commendable. But another thing here is, this is not only that they had love and service and faith and patience, but they had growing service, growing love, growing faith, growing patience. So that's very commendable. What church wouldn't like for the Lord Jesus himself to say, you're doing a wonderful, wonderful work in growing in these four areas. But now as we look at this, we're going to take a look at uh, some very important things here when we look at what is wrong with this church. And so if you, we continue on, we'll go to part B of our talk about the church at Thyatira. Let's talk in our next series here. This is Brad. Stay with me as we go into Revelation chapter 2 and continue on Jesus looking at Thyatira. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.